Welcome to the Grow to Amazing podcast. This is Tony, and I've got a, a guest that I've been hoping to have on for quite a while, and he he fits in the the vein of, of the people, very much so of the people I'm trying to have on the podcast. His name is Brian Littlefield. He is the chief product officer of a company called Origin USA, and Origin is, is one of those companies that I have taken following, and I'm a customer and I'm happy to uh, support their company because they are founded on manufacturing in America from, from field to field to, finish. I can't think of, field to finish. Yep. So everything that the company makes is made in America. And, and it is an amazing story of growing from a rescuing a single loom from a abandoned warehouse in Maine uh, to uh, where you are today, which is, number 215 on Inc.'s fastest growing companies. And, and so, uh, Brian, you, you are the chief product officer for the Origin Labs part of the company, which is the nutrition and supplements, right? That is correct, yes. Um, yeah. I, I am exclusive on the uh, nutritional division now. It hasn't always been that way, but with the <laughs> rapid growth, that's, that's how it has transpired. Okay, you kind of had to specialize a little bit with how things have gone. So it's my background. Yeah, sure. Sure. And we'll get to that in just a second as well. And I've got a little bit more of a bio here. Um, I just wanted to touch on a couple things there, but the, the company was, was founded by Pete Roberts. And if you haven't heard the hands and daylight podcast that, that Brian and Pete do, uh, that is, is, is an awesome story of, of building the business and, and building it over time and, and just some of the struggles and, and not, and I don't know, mistakes, but uh, uh, might be going a little far, but I'm sure there were some of those along the way, but the company became associated with Jocko Willink and back in, that must've been back in, I think 2019, was that around the time frame with Jocko when it came in or was Actually, it earlier we got than that? Jocko in the end of 2017. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the story with Jocko and, and his investment in America and Pete's just idea to bring this company together was originally founded to manufacture geese uniforms for, for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, and now it's growing to encompass jeans. And I'm going to be ordering a, one of the heavy hoodies here pretty quick. But uh, and more supplements. I need I need some of those as well. But um, supplements and and canned drinks that you can find in in stores uh, all down the East Coast and and going way beyond that. So, um, Brian, what's what's been the most exciting thing for you with Origin as you've gotten as the company's grown? Oh man, that's a uh, a loaded question. <laughs> that's <laughs> the most exciting thing. Um, I mean it's a combination of the growth and, and, you know, taking back America, you know, yeah. that's where, yeah, although I'm on the nutritional side now, like I mentioned it, you know, it hasn't always been that way. And when I originally, um, you know, joined forces with Pete, the nutritional division didn't exist. Um, sure. I, I, you know, um, closed my small business in Ohio and picked up, I'm from Maine originally. And, oh, you are. You know, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. I grew, I grew up here, born and raised, um, left when I was about 21 and, um, went out to Ohio. Um, and I can, I can dive into all that and why, if you, if you would like, but when I did come back to Maine about 10 years later, a little, a little more, um, I joined forces with Pete and, 
uh, nutrition did not exist. And it was just uh, one loom, a couple sewing machines and less than <laughs> 10 employees. So your, what was your original job back in those days? And then we'll kind of work backward from there, maybe a little bit and talk about getting there. Yeah. So uh, before I came back or my first, my first when position you, with the, the your first position with Pete. So, uh, like I said, I was running a small business. I was running a, a small a supplement store and running a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, academy in Ohio at the time. Okay. And uh, when when uh, I joined forces with Pete, I actually did so from there. And it was kind of funny because I came back to Maine on a random trip, and I had known of Origin, mm-hmm. and had kind of became very curious about what was going on up there, but I really showed up <laughs> to train jujitsu. Okay. That's what I, I showed up to train jujitsu. <laughs> and I walked in and I saw a loom and I was like, what? In, like, Pete's, in Pete's barn or something like that, where they were doing the original yeah, manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In the timber frame factory yep. that he cut down and built uh, on his, basically in his backyard. And, um, it was a, it was small. I want to say it was around 4,000, 5,000 square feet at the time before we added the uh, expansion on. Uh And the the whole top half of the building was jujitsu. The manufacturing was the the first floor, you know, so really it was only, you know, let's say 2,000, 2,500 square feet of manufacturing space, which is very small. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Micro factory. Uh, But, you know, it became a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. And so when I started working with him, I, um, but Pete had staked I, his livelihood on that business, on that proof of concept his livelihood on the business. And, and I went up there and when I went, I mean, it was like an instant connection. Um, you know, we're, we're business partners. We're great friends. Uh, I've, I got my black belt from him. Um, yeah, congratulations. That just happened too, right? Just a couple, couple months, months ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, we just hit it off. And so I went back to Ohio and I was already in, you know, the, I think, third year of my business, me and my business partner at the time, he was getting ready to move to Florida and leave. And so it it just was a weird timing thing where this opportunity opened up. So I was helping Pete establish basically what I said to him was, how can I help? I want to help at that point. I was like, I want to get involved. And I want to help. And I was still running my business. So it's kind of funny. I said, send me geese and I'm going to put them in my trunk. And selfishly, I'm going to go train around the Midwest and I'm going to leave on a Friday and get back for uh, the business on a Monday. And I'm just going to drive. I drew a six hour radius around uh, Ohio and was okay. driving everywhere, from Chicago, down in Kentucky and, you know, everywhere. And just going school to school to school and really it was just training and telling people about it. And I would just get a hold of them in advance, get a hold of the owner, the instructor, the manager, whatever it was at the time. Yep. And I just showed up and trained and showed them what was going on and people fell in love with it. And we went from zero to about 120 wholesale accounts uh, within the first year. And Essentially, I sold more geese for the company than we could make. So he said, uh, <laughs> um, why don't you come back to Maine and yeah. why don't we, we do something more? And that's what I did. You know, I went home. Uh, I got on the phone with him, you know, and, and I, I went home that day and told my wife, I said, hey, 
we're going to be packing up and we're going to be moving back to Maine. And she said, uh, okay. Was she so, from Maine originally also? Uh, she lived in Maine. That's where we met. So okay. it's kind of funny. We did it in high school. She moved to Maine in high school uh, okay. from Florida. And she's originally from New Jersey. And uh, we met in high school. We dated and then we separated. And then we ended up getting back together uh, later on, uh, multiple mm-hmm. years later. And um, yeah, we, we just uh, picked up and moved back to Maine for, for this thing and went all in. And at that time, like I said, I was, you know, we, we were selling more bees than we could make. So, yeah. you know, it, it made sense for me to, to help Pete more on the operational side of things, which um, my background, I went to school for business. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I had some experience in sales and I had a lot yeah. of experience in, in the supplement industry, but that didn't come into play till a couple of years later. What was it that made you buy in to take that truck full of geese back with you? Was it the picture that Pete was trying to paint with the business? When I was, was in it? business school, I had a professor who, so back up a little bit. Yeah. The constant theme at the time was the service industry is the future and manufacturing is yeah. dead. And like, basically don't even think about manufacturing. Like think about, you know, sales, tech, um, and, and service. And mm-hmm. I had one, one of my professors who he, he resonated with me, we hit it off and he, his, his process on it was it's all cyclical. It'll come back. If we if people put in the effort to, yeah, if people wanted to. If we want it to come back, it will come back. And it's only a matter of time. And a very bright individual, actually. He had actually predicted that the things that would happen in China, which is the demand for higher, you know, I mean, you just look at history, right? Demand for better working conditions, the demand for um, higher pay and things like that has driven the comp- the, the competitive difference uh, more even. So um, that said, uh, when I walked in the factory and I saw looms and, and American hands working again, I just was like, <laughs> I got to help. That was it. I was yeah. just, I want to help. I want to get involved. And that's the, that's the beginning. That kind of a pivot from running a nutrition company. So what kind of, it was just general like supplements and workout brick and powders. Yeah. Brick and mortar yeah. around, around sports nutrition. Okay. That was it. It was it wasn't like a holistic health store or anything like that. It was brick and mortar specifically around sports nutrition. I was doing a lot of nutrition for uh, jujitsu athletes and some MMA fighters and stuff like that. And it really helped me the ability. So that made it easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to pivot to that, to that type of environment. It was the same same world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the same consumers, same customers, uh, same atmosphere, same mindset. So it was a, it was a smooth transition and, you know, obviously, I was deeply uh, involved in, in love with jujitsu at the time. So you have the, the business American, I'm very pro America, uh, you know, passionate side of things. And then you, you pair that with jujitsu and that's a powerful combination. <laughs> it didn't take much to convince you then, did it? <laughs> no, 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 it didn't take much at all. Yeah. Yep. Let me, let's step back a little bit. You yeah. went, did you go to college in Ohio or in Maine? In Ohio. Yeah, that's what originally okay. brought me out there. Yeah, okay. and it wasn't business that actually brought me out there. I went to I went to Ohio because it was at the time it was the only um, actually accredited school 
in really in the United States for sure, but really in the world that would you could actually get a degree in race cars, essentially in racing cars. Um, oh, really? Wow. In, okay. Yeah, in, in high performance technology. And um, and I did. I, I worked for a brief period of time with a race team in the Rolex series. And okay. I really liked it. But, you know, something drove me back to to go back to school for business. It's something I always wanted to do. Um, I, I grew up in a in an entrepreneurial spirit uh, with my father. Um, so what did your, let's, I, let's, let's dig into that for a little bit. What did your father do that kind of got you going there? Well, he did a lot of things. And I think that was the thing. And I've talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, Pete and I uh, had a podcast for a long period of time. We ran about a half, almost a hundred episodes and I've, I've dove into that on that. And oh, I really what it yep. is, okay. Yep. It's um, we, we, haven't recorded in a long time now. Business has just taken precedence. Yeah. Yep. But, um, it's, he had multiple businesses, everything mm-hmm. from, from sales to, uh, he had a painting business in the eighties that was uh, successful and then not successful. And he was a multiple time, I would say failed entrepreneur, but I got to see him start and fail and start and fail and start and fail a lot of times and he he had the spirit um but for whatever reason didn't strike success and mm-hmm. did he ever get down also, when when one of his businesses would fail or was it just you know let's what was let's that? figure did he ever get down or you know depressed if if when one of his businesses failed or was it just okay right, let's go try again um or was it i mean were, I, I don't think you ever I don't think you ever don't get a level of you, you're going to absorb like you can either learn from it, absorb it and quickly move on. Yeah. But if you don't get upset or I don't want to use the word depressed because I think that's a um, that's a pretty deep term. But if you don't get uh, upset and if it doesn't strike yeah. you emotionally when you fail at something like business, especially when you're trying to provide for a family, then um, you probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't be in business. Uh, well, that probably wasn't the right business for you to be in, in the first place then. Right. I would guess. I, I would say so, most likely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, everybody has innate skills and you, know, you, you can couple that with education and, and probably the most important thing that, that we talk about is experiential knowledge. And, hmm. you know, when we make those, when we make big mistakes, ones that could be, you know, either you know, pretty small or, or catastrophic. Uh, we have a term for that. We call those tuition payments. Um, <laughs> and yep. uh, it's one of those things where sometimes those tuition payments can be the the death of a, a business or a concept. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, I think it's it's never easy when something like that, you know, dies or you have to start over. Um, yep. But just keep you just keep moving on but he was a well he was a great spirited individual he, he was a an amazing man he dedicated 40 years to the local sports community coaching sports so okay. he was always um he was always doing something and i noticed you know, you're saying was a lot did he pass away he passed away yeah, yeah sorry away. about that I was, I, was the, I was the baby actually i was the last of um okay <laughs> uh, I was the last of a, a, a pretty big family and because of the um, 
you know, the, the entrepreneurial uh, spirit that, you know, he made a lot of tuition payments. We didn't, it, it, it's not the uh, success story of, you know, I, I was left with a, a nice nest egg and was able to <laughs> you know, pick up my first business and stuff like that. Like we, we grew, it grew up pretty rough. Um, yeah. you know, most of his success being that I was the, the youngest in the family, the most of his success uh, preceded that. So okay. Okay. Preceded me. So. Those failures and things like that. I had some of that with my father as well. And then unfortunately for him, it was more, he had some health challenges that, that got in the way of him continuing to, and I, and I think he, I don't know. He, he wanted more of the regular paycheck type thing. So I think he gave up on the entrepreneurial side of things. And, mm -hmm. and so it didn't really stick long enough for me to get a feel for, um, and, and the times that he had businesses, I didn't get a real feel that it was, we were, it was kind of like the same way with my family, that it was a rough time growing up at times financially as a family. So I didn't get the feeling of, success out of that from their side so how did you did he have enough success when you were growing up that it that it kind of lit that fire in you to to have your own businesses it was, does that make sense no um no? definitely wasn't it wasn't the success portion of it that's for sure it was more of the 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 creativity and the drive to do it i think that he um i think that lived with him forever um he was just that's just the way he was but um you know, I think that you know, it's funny you say that the, the the medical thing for him, it was it was there was a, a medical part to that. Um, mm -hmm. But there was also age. He uh, my, my story is kind of interesting. I'm the only one between uh, my parents. So I so was married once before. My father okay. was married once before and then they met each other. Um, gotcha. So I have a bunch of half brothers and sisters. <laughs> my father had, my father was um, 47 when he had me. So okay, uh, okay. He, he was still getting after it. And um, well, I have a two year old and I'm 51. So if that's well, anything, so it keeps, keeps me young, I guess. But yeah, it, yep. you know, I think there was, there was, I, I look, if I'm being honest, like I look back on it and there were pros and cons hmm. and um you know, it's just, it is what it is. And like I said, I, um, we lost him in 2018 at, at uh, 80 okay. and okay. he lived, he lived a long life um, yeah. and, and he was good, but he, yeah, I, he just had the drive and, and I was, I was with it, but you know, for whatever reason, either he, he just lacked something there and, mm -hmm. and that's okay. But I, I got that, um, whatever from him or maybe it's a genetic component i don't know but uh, it's, sure it, so did it, you have any it. did you have any businesses in high school or early or during college that you had started or did you just have kind of more uh, typical jobs yeah no i i did actually it was kind of funny i had um uh, a couple little things i because i was in the automotive world i had created some little small online businesses where i was making some custom automotive parts and then i was doing some car stereo stuff where i was making like custom fiberglass um speaker boxes and things like that selling them over the internet i was i've always been like buying trading selling that type of thing so um, sure. i guess nowadays the kids call it like little side hustles um, yeah but i had always had um, I've, I've always had that going on on the side at a bare minimum. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. 
and the racing thing were you actually racing cars back then also or or working not? on <laughs> working on okay gotcha yeah. gotcha yeah i've got cousins that are big into i guess stock car racing is more of a midwest i don't know i suppose they do it in any everywhere but got cousins that do the stock car thing as well so oh, yeah. yeah it's been fun yeah. but it's a lot of fun yeah. i just realized that I, I i i quickly realized i really love racing yeah but uh you're not saying that i, that I got it a lot when i was growing up <laughs> you know especially in high school where you know do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life Yep. And um, I think that's true for a lot of people. It wasn't for me. I was like, wow, I've turned my passion and, and, and hobby into a, a job. Yep. And I didn't really like that that much. And then I realized, hey, I want to go back to school for business and do something I'm good at so I can pay for the to do the things I love on my own time. And hopefully you'll find a job that was with a company you can be that you can love what you're doing you know, at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to love the, the it, for me, it's, I tell people you got to love the mission. Like you yep. got to love the, the, the movement, the mission and, and things like that. Like you never, every day isn't going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. So if you're just weighing, like if you go in and you have a, a, a bad day or you have a good day and you are measuring good days versus bad days, you know, you have a bad streak and next thing you know, you're, you're looking for other opportunities or you're feeling defeated or whatever. If you don't have that primary mission or that thing that's driving you, that's, you know, attached to your soul, in my opinion, then um, those, those bad days are going to be worse and the good days won't be as good as they could be. So. So you graduated college. What got you into nutrition? Was that part of defining that? what your business was going to be moving forward, moving forward? Yeah. So, um, that's, that's one of the big questions I always get is like, how did I get into nutrition? And it was purely (laughs) based out of interest. It really was when I, um, so I played sports as a kid growing up. And then in my last few years of high school, I fell in love with, um, girls and cars and didn't want to play ball sports (laughs) anymore. And so that's the route I went down. And then I, you know, went off to college and, you know, was eating, you know, dollar menu and, and not eating healthy. And, uh, I really, you know, blew up and I was really overweight, like Mm -hmm. right out of the first year, I was really overweight. And at my peak, I weighed, I'm, I'm five ten, Um, and at my peak, I weighed like 265 pounds and that was 265 pounds of like, uh, not muscle. Like that, that was just complete slob. I was like a slob. <laughs> yeah, right it's, it's the truth. And, um, you know, I fell you were, in love you were with not the, doing jujitsu at this point or were you? No, no, no. Okay. no I was not doing jujitsu at that point. And, uh, I fell in love with work. I had a buddy of mine who was taking college that I was in a, a course with who convinced me to go to the gym. And, um, cause I had wanted to get into shape, but you know, it's like for a lot of people and myself at the time, it was kind of that, like that kick in the ass and sometimes having a buddy system or something to just to get you moving, someone to give you some confidence, um, yeah. is what I needed. And he convinced me to go with him to the gym and it, it stuck. And I, I'm 10, I tend to be like that a little bit. Um, things are sticky for me. So if I find something I like, I, you know, that part of that is a little bit of ADD. It's like, sure. <laughs> um, 
if I, I hyper fixate on things sometimes okay. and that's what happened like just for instance that's the same thing that happened with jujitsu it was one people ask like how long did you take it before you loved it it was like for me it was day one mm-hmm. so um you know went to the gym became obsessed with it and then I went down the rabbit hole of like nutrition you know nutraceuticals um and went really deep to the point where you know I like I'd finished my coursework and then I'd stay up all night researching papers on you know on the effects of adaptogenic herbs found sure. in you know, the Himalayas you know it's just <laughs> you know, it just like deep so taking that next step to starting a business, doing that was, was the easiest yeah. thing in the world. And I've always, it, it was because I had just absorbed all this, you know, at the time it wasn't useless knowledge, but it was, I, I wasn't applying it. And I knew, didn't know what I was going to apply it to um, sure. at the time. It, I didn't have the intent originally to like, I'm going to absorb this because I'm going to go apply this to business. That wasn't the intent. I was just like, I'm fascinated by this. I've always been fascinated by science. I always excelled in sciences. Um, mm-hmm. I went, like I said, I went to school for business. I took 400 level bio just because I wanted to. Yeah. That was my thing. So um, I just hyper fixated on it and then absorbed all this stuff that I really had no use for at the time, aside from selfishly trying to use these, um, you know, ingredients and these uh, foods to help improve myself and really use myself as a guinea pig for the first few years. And that's where it started, uh, mm-hmm. my, my background in nutrition. Okay, okay. Um, and did you have any, uh, was there any big missteps back in those days, getting it off the ground? Or I, I know you said you had a business partner. Did you guys get along all the time? Or was that? So, yeah. So as it kicked off into the first business, really what it was, was I had um, graduated college and I had a job lined up for a financial company. Uh, I was hired and then like I was one of the first in my class to get uh, essentially recruited. Mm-hmm. And like a week I was supposed to start. I was supposed to have a one week break after graduation and start. And like three days before this company who had a lot of offices around the United States um, cut their, their program. They had a, a branch manager program, accelerated program that uh, I was going to okay. cut the program. And I was like, I went from the first, you know, in my class probably to now, okay, everybody has things lined up mostly and yep. what the hell. So um I went back to what I knew, which was quickly for the moment I had done. Um, my brothers had a, uh, they did concrete. That's what they've done. You know, 25, 30 years of, of concrete. And when okay. I was in high school in the summers, when I was in high school, I would go do, you know, grunt work with them. And, and um, that'll help with that 265 how- pound weight. So you were probably in yeah. shape by the time you graduated though, right? If you were into fitness by then. I would think. Uh, college? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, okay. I, I had, cause I had started jujitsu at that time. Sure. So sure. I had started jujitsu in college and, um, was like I said, obsessed with nutrition. So I went from, at, at one point I had gone all the way from 265 pounds down to 155 pounds. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> that's not my ideal weight. It's just what I had had done through because yep. I was doing competitive jujitsu. I had done um, uh, I had dabbled in MMA and I was just uh, I was in that world. And yep, was, and that's all. I mean, what? Is that weight class? Is that weight class based as well? For well, the MMA definitely is weight class based. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to cut for that, and and that can be fun for sure. But um, yeah, I was in I was in great shape at the time. So I graduated. I had went back doing concrete, and gotcha. My jujitsu instructor at the time, who owned who owned the gym, he. had the concrete business that's how i got the job i was like dude i need a job i need you to so <laughs> i was like i need a job and he's like well have you ever done concrete before and i was like ah just a, you know a couple times or whatever uh-huh. and it was kind of funny because he's he's like uh he's like well i have to start you off at the bottom and i'm like okay and then literally at the end of the first week he's like i need to give you a raise you, you you've been doing concrete before nice. i'm like i mean i, I have <laughs> so quickly, quickly like um scaled that up pretty good where I was like making, you know, decent money. Um, and at the same time, I was like, uh, helping him run the Academy. I had ranked up enough and we had just built a strong relationship. So, um, Mm -hmm. he ended up, uh, oddly enough, he ended up going on tour. He was a musician and he got recruited into a band and he got pulled on tour and he started doing a a U.S. tour. And so I was running the Academy Wow. And just before that, we had opened up the nutritional business adjacent to to the academy because it, it was okay. right there in the same uh, plaza. And sure. what we were doing was, you know, essentially we were servicing all of our uh, athletes and people that were coming and going from the gym. And then, you know, any the foot traffic and, you know, starting to advertise outside in the in the city. It was a small city. And um, he got recruited to the band. He went off. And then we. uh that was challenging. Uh-huh. Like that was, that was super challenging because it went from, we have this relationship where we're partnering and we're relying on each other to, you know, I wanted him to be able to go off and, and, you know, uh, embrace his passion and really, yeah. you know, yep. dream. I wanted him to be able to, you know, embrace a dream, but yeah, it, it didn't make things easy. It, it certainly didn't make things easy because it, you know, left everything on my shoulders at the time. And everything ran smooth, and uh, you know when it was over, it was over. But that was that was challenging, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. sure. And did I'm assuming it was all day? Was there classes all day at jujitsu as well as trying to run the nutrition business? So you got to balance all of that against each other somehow. Yeah, the, there there was that. Um, you know, there was also like, uh, you know, we would find time to to cover for each other. Um, and when, you know, it, one person's gone, it's like, they're gone. So sure. I stayed sure. busy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then uh, we are kind of already talked a little bit before about how you, did you know who Pete was from his jujitsu history? Cause he was, I mean, he competed in worlds and things like that. Did you already know who he was before you went back to Maine to work out? You must've, if you went I did, but I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I did, but I didn't. And, and here's why, because I was in the uh, Ribeiro Jiu-Jitsu Association, and so uh, Salo Ribeiro and Shanji Ribeiro, uh, two Brazilian brothers uh, that came to the United States to form the association, highly regarded as um, top 10 or, you know, by a lot of people, like top five competitors of all time. Uh, Shanji is considered like 
by some like top two, you know, him yeah. and him and Roger Gracie, you throw in like Bouchetcha in there and he, one of the greatest of all time, essentially their association was in um, San Diego. And when I think it was early on, I want to say 2011, maybe 12, maybe in 2010, but it was very um, early on in the origin uh, story where Pete had qualified to, um, he had won the North American trials and he had qualified to go to Abu Dhabi to compete in the, uh, and I think it was like a black and brown belt division at the time before it was just black belts Uh, because Pete was a brown belt and he was competing (laughs) against black belts. And that would be kind of crazy today, wouldn't it? That would be, it would be, yeah, Yeah. no, it would be, um, pretty, pretty crazy, which is because especially against world-class guys, um, Mm. and, and that's why it was so impressive because Pete went over there and I didn't know who he was at the time, but he ended up, uh, competing against Shanji, uh, and had a battle where Pete was actually up on points. And I believe he got caught in a submission with like seconds left, Mm. but that was unheard of for not just someone that nobody really knows but a brown belt you yeah. know american who yeah, no I was one really say american knows. throw american in there somewhere but yeah to, <laughs> to challenge to challenge you know one of the greatest of all time and i had asked shanji you know shanji had said like pete was one of his toughest matches ever which is why awesome just yeah it's, it's absurd and i didn't know pete at the time but we all we were all following it and like who the hell is this brown belt who <laughs> just, you know, put it on Shanji? So um, it was, I was aware then, and then I connected the dots later on. Okay, gotcha. We didn't so, meet, I mean, that was 2011. Him and I didn't meet until 2000, I want to say 13, okay. 14. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's diverge for a minute onto the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu thing because it's – Uh, it's not a martial art I've ever done. I've got my first degree in Taekwondo and Filipino Escrima and, but it's been a number of years since I've worked out that way. Mm -hmm. And what is, but we are, so my family right now, um, we are traveling the country with my kids. I'm a software consultant and we've got a fifth wheel camper. We were just in Rhode Island. Uh, we were planning on getting up to Maine, but we just couldn't make it work with other commitments we had. So we're in Pennsylvania right now. And, but we'll be in San Diego, uh, December, January, and February probably. And so I am planning on going to visit victory and spend some time there and kind of get my feet wet in the jujitsu world. But what was it about jujitsu that made you be all in on day one? Can you go there? Absolutely. So I had a, uh, like I said, it was when I was in school and I had a little cafeteria uh, at the school where I would go get like lunches or food between classes. And at that time, like I said, I had become obsessed with like working out and nutrition. So I had built a relationship with this guy who, who ran uh, the, the kitchen and he would always, you know, when he saw me, he would, if he wasn't working the counter, he would come up and hook me up. He would, he, I would give him a dollar and he'd give me a giant plate of turkey and cheese because I was <laughs> just like, eating straight protein and trying to, sure. at that time I was lifting. And uh-huh. every single time I came in there, he would be like, hey, man, when are you going to come train? Aren't you guys wrestling around in pajamas? Like, what? Uh-huh. Why? And uh, 
you know, he, he finally one day after like, it had to be at least a year of, of seeing me like multiple times a week, finally one day convinced me to go try a class and no joke. I, I tried a class. I got choked out by like a 90 pound, 16 year old kid and I couldn't <laughs> do anything about it. And I was like, I, I, I didn't pick up weights for a while after that. I, wow. I just was like, holy, just completely obsessed with it. Sure. Sure. Literally changed, changed course that changed the course of my entire life, actually. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of funny you say that because one of when I when I was studying back, it was mainly in college and for four or five years after college. Um, one of the seminars I remember the most is when we had a fifth down Aiki Jiu-Jitsu uh, black belt from he was an American, but had studied in Japan. And one of the seminars that he came over and gave us for a weekend, um, just some of the, the joint locks and different things that he taught us that weekend are things, they're some of the stuff that I remember more or, and, and, pra- and still practice and do things with to this day versus some of the things we did in Taekwondo. I mean, so, so I just think that's kind of cool, but. Yeah, it is. I mean, jujitsu is a way of life for me. It's to do you know does your wife uh work out as well uh she does not train jujitsu okay she's active but she does not train jujitsu i've never been able to uh get her to train jujitsu i stopped asking many many years ago (laughs) it's it's she's been in it so um i say in it i mean like involved in the sport like being that we were tied into the business side of things of it and then competing, she was there, you know, to support me. So competing. she had plenty of opportunities to try it at some point or another and just never oh, yeah. stuck with her. Yeah. yeah. It just wasn't for her. Yeah, okay. It just wasn't. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys have kids? Uh, we don't. Nope. No. Okay. No okay. All right. Um, so when you, when you got together with Pete and you started selling geese and things like that, when did you, did you start talking about nutrition with him right away? Or was that when Jocko came into the picture and wanted a nutrition just kind of seemed to gel? How did that come out? I'm sure you've talked about that before as well, but I apologize. So. No, for sure. It's part of the story. So um, he knew I had a a background in nutrition. He knew I was selling supplementation and I had Mm -hmm. told him we had had like soft conversations, like as I was about to, uh, move up as we had had the conversations. He's like, let's move you back to Maine and, and whatnot. You know, I had said, Hey, you know, I don't know if you've ever considered it, but nutrition would be a great extension from origin, you know, being mm-hmm. that it's very, uh, tied into the, uh, jujitsu community and just health and wellness, fitness and active lifestyle. Did you have contacts and, in the manufacturing side by this point or not? No, no, no. Okay. I, in distribution side of things, but not manufacturing. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. So then I uh, had, had moved back to Maine and was helping Pete essentially run the factory and, and the manufacturing. And we had a guy that we knew that Pete had done business with in the past years ago in the jujitsu community that had started this little sub brand in that community uh, called Five <laughs> Sports Nutrition. And okay. he had a little, it's just a tiny little supplement brand. And we were like, he, we knew it was, we found out it was for sale. And so his name was Bill that was selling it. Bill and Pete had started talking 
and we cross-referenced the customer list to see if there was any, you know, synergy sure. there. And 30% of the customers crossed over from that business to origin customers. So we took it a little bit more serious. We went and met him and we were like, yeah, let's just, let's buy this thing. Let's roll it over. Let's rebrand it and sell it to the jujitsu community. And we did that for, I think a year and a half. And um, mm-hmm. it was okay. Like it was just part of the origin brand of things. Sure. And um, it was running, it was going. And that was, that was, that was pretty much it. But the focus at that time was origin. Like yep. it was, yep. that was the focus was getting and, manufacturing set up, getting more um, distribution and more, really more eyes on the prize. And that was geese. It was pretty much geese. And that, and was rash guards a thing back then or not? Geese and rash guards just okay. had started. Okay. So it was all geese and we had just started um, printing and sublimating rash guards. Gotcha. So that, that was a fun one too. And yeah. Um, that's when around that time we had literally outgrown the factory in the, the little town of industry, Maine, mm-hmm. we had kicked the jujitsu out of the factory. The jujitsu had moved <laughs> in town and Pete Nye's office had actually had to move in town okay. and we were commuting back and forth to the factory. And, uh, how long of a drive do you have to get to work by the way? If you're way out in the middle of nowhere. Now, so, now yeah. I'm 40 minutes away. <laughs> well, I'm 40 minutes now, but uh, yeah, at the time, the factory from the off. So I, I lived closer at the time. So I was like, let's say closer. I was 20 minutes away. Uh, okay. I still had to drive 20 minutes every day, um, but that wasn't bad. Yeah. And uh, so we moved, we had moved the jujitsu and, and his and I office downtown into Farmington to make more space for manufacturing in that space. My, knowing that I hadn't done concrete for years at the time, but Mm -hmm. knowing that I knew how, um, Pete's like, Hey, let's pour an expansion onto the factory. So we built an expansion onto the factory, (laughs) um, kind of started scabbing onto the factory. And that's when we, we were in the, uh, downtown area there and he's like i know a guy who has a building and i heard um you know his business is slowing down a little bit he's got a big building up the street let's go talk to him and over a period of like many months every time we'd go get lunch we'd walk over there stop in and try and get the guy to sell us the building and <laughs> we just kept on him and on him and on him and and finally until one day he's like okay we'll have a conversation and sure enough, we bought the building, and that was the the factory downtown Farmington. Awesome. So there, the, I know from listening to Pete and and you in the past is that there were there were times early on in the old factory and in his barn that it was close to going under. I mean, was that were you getting past that point, or as the investments grew and things like that, were there scary moments in there that made you you know it's kind of one of those nut up or shut up kind of things or uh, where you had to take that chance to, to get bigger? Um, the early days were, it's kind of funny. Like the early days were scary because it was make or break. Yeah. And then now the tuition payments are just bigger. Yeah. Right? As, <laughs> you mistake, it's a big mistake. Now you're paying just for the freshman um, class, not just the, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, 
um, in the early days, you know, we had, we, we talked, we talk about this. We had those $0 days. We're an e-com business predominantly. Yeah. Obviously, we had had a decent little wholesale business set up at the time. Um, and it had grown to, at one point, being 50% of the business was okay. selling to to schools. Yep, yep. Of, um, relying on those schools and that that e-com business and when that e-com business we'd have those zero dollar i mean we'd literally watch be in the offices and you would hear no no ding come through <laughs> zero dollars yeah it was you know it was nerve-wracking because you got to make payroll like you yep. got to pay you got to keep the lights on and yep. we absolutely had those days like mm-hmm. absolutely had those days there was a, for sure there was a final day where there was you know, never another $0 day again. And that was awesome. a, a great feeling. Um, Do you know when the yeah. last $0 day was? Oh, it was definitely because your question was d- during that transition period. I would say the last $0 day, and he might correct me, his memory is a little bit better than mine, but <laughs> I want to say it was in that original factory. Okay. It was in the original factory. When we moved to downtown Farmington and we went from, we had built, uh, up to uh, when we scabbed on, we had like, I think 7,000 square feet out okay. there in industry. When we moved to downtown Farmington, Maine, uh, it was 20,000 square feet. I don't think we had any more $0 days, but there were certainly lulls. Yeah. It wasn't all great, you know, after that. Certainly lulls ended. Yep. We, we went in one year. We, we went, we moved in in the fall of 2017. And that's actually when we partnered with Jocko. Sure. And we went from, I think, less than 10 employees to like 35 employees in that 12 months. And for us, that was really big. Um, that was a lot of people considering the first, you know, from 2011 to like 2017, it was like less than 10 people, you yep. know, something like that. So it was a big scale up. And then I think I would, I would guess, I mean, starting the, the nutrition division. I know Jocko was big on that. I'm, I would assume he wanted to push that right from the start as well. So that was, as soon as you rebranded, at, at, was that the whole discussion when Jocko came on rebranding Jocko Fuel and, and those kinds of things? Just yeah, part of, the, part of that discussion? Cool. Jocko came on board originally because of Origin. And, the, and I don't yeah. know if you've heard the story, but he, he was like trying to get a hold of Pete. And in those early days, it was, you know, there was a lot of emails and inquiries and not enough bandwidth. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just, he couldn't get through to Pete. And then finally, um, an awesome person, Sarah Armstrong, finally reached out and connected with Pete and was like, hey, Jocko Willing is trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> so finally, that's when they, that's when they linked up. But he originally came um, with interest for origin and of course, American manufacturing and the nutrition and was an afterthought. And yeah. it really came from Jocko wanted to do, to do nutrition when he found out that it was available to do with his standards. And mm-hmm. that's when, you know, he and I talked and he's like, yeah, I want to do nutrition, but I've been burned, you know, back in the day when, um, when muscle milk had that uh, heavy metal uh, consumer report come out and it was really, you know, not good. And he is, he's talked about this on his podcast where 
you know, his kids were drinking it and, you know, that came out and, and he just like felt, you know, a lot of people felt betrayed, you know, from the industry and he sure. walked away from the industry and he had used a lot of supplements and energy drinks when he was in the SEAL teams. Yep. And when, when we talked, I, I absolutely reassured him. I'm like, it can be done and it mm-hmm. can be done clean and it can be done tested. Um, and we test our stuff more than any other, um, company that I know of. I have a lot of brand friends in the industry and, um, we're like, we're a little over the top because it has. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and that's, I do love that. That's one of the reasons like the joint warfare is what I bought so far. I'm going to add the vitamin D. I would love to do the krill as well, the super krill, but I can't because I'm on blood thinners at the moment. So, um, but, but, um, how did you, and, and the testing side of things, the, the manufacturing side of things, um, how, how did all talk about that just a, a minute, as far as how that got up and going for you, um, since you didn't have any experience with it, there had to have been some, some challenges there a little bit as well, I would guess. It is, but at the same, like, yes, there were challenges, but it's not, you got to remember, we had just come from, how do we find American made, <laughs> um, you, know, with it. you know, how do we find yeah. American made belt buckles? And so and you like, do, yeah, that process like, of sourcing in America, you, you had a crank you could turn to, to do that just changes the focus. And that was a, that was a crash course for us was, and, and thankfully, I'm very thankful that I was around, uh, you know, for a lot of the early years where we got to experience um, hunting down machines and, and resurrecting looms and pulling them from old mills and mm-hmm. uh, digging up dead supply chains, reestablishing these supply chains. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this before. It, one of the major deficiencies with the American manufacturing supply chain is that there's actually a lot of these little factories and micro factories that still exist. Mm-hmm. But they're terrible at telling people they exist. They don't <laughs> like websites, their websites are inactive. Nobody answers the emails or the phones. The addresses aren't aren't on the list on the website. They don't have a Google address. They just exist because they probably have like a contract with one buyer that's been carrying them along for 20 years. And if they lose that contract, they're just going to go under. Yep. And the thing is, is they should invest a small amount of time and money into letting people know that they are there. And that's what, you know, obviously origin, we build for ourselves and for the brand. We don't contract manufacture for other people, but because we're so loud about what we do, we get those inquiries all the time from really big brands. Sure. I noticed a while back, um, because what you also on the, on the durable goods side, you also make boots and you had to switch leather suppliers and finding a new leather supplier was, or was it bison or all of your leather? You had to find a new supplier. Yeah. All of our leather at the time was tanned, uh, right here in Maine. Like the, the supply chain relationship there couldn't have been more perfect. And then gone. gone and that was gone. And then not easy either and we've had those situations where um you know our early on one of the i remember pete and i i can share this story i remember pete and i were in our office in the down building in farmington maine and 
we got the call that the dye house that because we would weave our own fabric for the jujitsu geese, the jackets, and we would have to run the dye, uh, sorry, run the fabric to Brooklyn. And we would, you know, in the early days, they were sleeping in the truck or sure. we'd get a cheap hotel and we'd wait for the dye to be, uh, wait for the fabric to be dyed and then run it back. I made that trip a couple <laughs> times. And um, we got the call that the dye house was shutting down. It was going to close down. They're going to tear down the building and build a, it was in Brooklyn, you know, um, mm-hmm. it was getting gentrified and it was, yep. And uh, it was going to be a sky rise or something. And we had no other supplier. We had no other dye house that could, could dye that fabric. And in that moment, it seemed like the end. Like that's what we sold at the time. We sold geese and we didn't have a way anymore to make geese <laughs> instantly. That's a, uh, we call them emotional calluses. Yeah. Um, that built an emotional callus quick. Like it, it was like good. a shock and awe. Yeah, good but, pucker, um, good pucker up moment kind of thing. Real, real good pucker up moment, and yeah. but it's it's um, you know. What do you think? What do you think happened. brought you through? What do you think brought you through that? Um, the 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 mission, just the mission. We we yeah. believe so much that we had to do this. Um, we we just. It was, there had to be another way. Mm-hmm. There had to be, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those ones where, oh, we're going to spend a week, you know, look in and then, you know, start our exit strategy, start drafting the conversations for, for the employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if there was, you know, 10 employees, like they're, um, we're putting food on all of their tables. Like mm-hmm. th- we were not drafting the conversations of, of how, how we were going to walk away from this. It just yeah. didn't, we were defeated in the moment, but it didn't cross our minds that it was the end. Yeah. Like, and, if, and the viewpoint I've seen from Pete's side is that this had happened once to Maine already where manufacturing was here and it went away and it's not going to happen again. Not on, yeah. not on his watch. So, and, and that's, that's our mindset is, yeah. um, and the reason why it went away wasn't because of the supply chain. That's the reason why it's hard to bring back. The reason yeah. why it went away was because of corporate greed yeah. and the policies that were created that in- incentivized offshoring manufacturing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, and um, and putting yeah. profits before that people. People, yep, yep, absolutely. So I, I always say that you can't put profit before people. Yep, and that's and and I think I've heard you say as well before. You get you get calls probably twenty times a week about somebody wanting to buy the business and things like that and help you expand. And then, Oh yeah, well, but we're going to offshore stuff and things like that. But is that still the case where you get people trying to, trying to get in on the, get in on the, on the company that way? Yeah. We had a lot of people inquire into origin and um, you know, Jocko fuel for that matter, but within origin, uh, early on, it was people that kind of saw the light and saw the mission and really liked the brand yep but one of the questions we would always get from these people that would want to invest is when are you going to start you know offshoring some of your stuff or when are you going to start like when you get too big to make it here when are you going to make it there like yeah they would say that 
with <laughs> zero hesitation. Yeah. And we just looked at them like they were crazy. We we're like, why are you sitting in this office right now? Like, what? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to us. Because if they paid attention at all to the story of origin, then you would they, know. Yeah. 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 Well, and at the, at the same time, though. I mean, it's a, probably a valid I mean, question to an extent, but maybe. It, it is. It is to. It is to sane people, sane yeah. people, I, and I say that, in, <laughs> in the but to sane people like, hey, you know, here's, um, you know, enough money to be financially independent for the rest of your lives. Um, when, you know, give me 50% of the company, but we're going to start offshoring. So, you know, a lot of people would be like, okay, you know, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I and call that success. Yep. The, the, the money thing wasn't the mission. Yeah. The mission was to resurrect manufacturing mm-hmm. um, and build, you know, gear with a soul. So if that's the mission, then that's not an option. So, yeah. What have you noticed around Farmington since Origins taken off? That's a really good question. Um, the, the town loves us, um, the people that people really love us, um, which is awesome. And, you know, we, uh, employ a lot of people <laughs> in the town now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's good. You know, it's a small town, you know, economically it's doing pretty good. And, you know, we're just trying to do our, our part. So, yeah. yeah. Um, talk about the, the, the fuel side and the, and the nutrient side a little bit. How is, where is it at right now? Um, uh, just if you want to describe the line front to back, um, and then just, and then just kind of say, I don't know if you've, you've talked about where it's going to go a little bit, but I don't know how much you can talk about that, about where you want to take it from that perspective. I can. Yeah. And, and that's so Jocko fuel was as, as I had mentioned, like not the primary portion, yep. but it had gotten so, and I was operating up until sometime in the middle, I think of like 2018 as the COO for Pete um, on the manufacturing side of things. I was helping run the factory. We, like I said, we had scaled from like, I think just under 10 people to like 35 people. Things were getting a little crazy at the same time. Jocko fuel was taking off yep. and we had pallets of, you know, protein and other products stacked in, be- in between sewing machines, yep. literally stacked between sewing machines. <laughs> and so we had a problem. We were growing faster than our space. So we decided to move the nutrition to the new, to a new warehouse. We found a, a, a nice piece of uh, a property uh, with a great warehouse. And that was our first phase of expanding uh, the nutrition side and, and Jocko fuel. And, and that was, that was what, two years, you said two years ago. So that was the old nutrition building. <laughs> that was the old nutrition building. And yeah. I want to say we moved into the old nutrition building in. Wow. Uh, the, I want to say the very, like, let's say January of 19. Okay. Okay. So January of 19. So, you, and you've outgrown that space already and have moved yeah, to a new building. That, <laughs> um, pretty, pretty quickly. It was, um, so we were in the 20,000 square feet downtown. Everything was in 20,000 square feet downtown Farmington. We got uh, a 10,000 square foot warehouse and a like 
5,000 square foot office space. And above the office space was like a small apartment at the time. So it was like 17,000 total square feet. We moved the nutritional division into, and we thought that was like, you know, we, we were like, this is going to be good for a it's while. It's our five-year plan. Yeah. 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 Five-year plan for, for sure. And so we went in there and outgrew that in a year. So then we were really managing uh, under, you know, constricted space um, for about a year after that. Hmm. And that's like when we went to that new space and the company had gone, uh, the, the nutritional division had just taken off. There was too much for, cause I was focused. I was operating as COO for origin, mm-hmm. trying to manage the factory. And, and I was really focused on supply chain as well. Like when I needed to travel, I would do a lot of the traveling sure. um, to the different mills and, and different suppliers for raw materials. So I was trying to do that. I'm traveling. I'm also trying to run the nutritional division, <laughs> wearing a lot of hats, as you can see, um, yeah. which is very common in a startup mm-hmm. and just too strapped. So it got to a point where Pete and I both said, something needs to happen. And the thing that was most logical is that I would go run the nutritional division. And, sure. and that's what happened. So was that, that's what you wanted to do too. Would you say that? It, it just made sense. I, yeah. I mean, yes, at the same time, I was very passionate about what I did on the sure. manufacturing side of things. Um, so that was hard, you know, yeah. it, it really was um, to step away from that had, had built, not that I lost those relationships, but the relationships of, of working with those, those individuals on a daily basis in the factory, you know, getting your hands dirty with sewing machines and things like that. Like there was a, there, that wasn't just like a clean, you know, wipe, wash the hands of it and, and, and walk away. Yeah. I was certainly excited to to take on my own challenge with, you know, even more independence at that time. And then, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was the right move and it made the most sense because it allowed both divisions to have more independent focus sure. and grow. And then, you know, as, as it's visible online and as you can see from the story, both divisions have, have had uh, explosive growth and the nutritional division has really just skyrocketed. So um, I operated the nutritional division in that space for from, really from uh, throughout the second half of 2018 as really almost exclusively focused on it. And then all of 19 and all of 20 uh, operated um, over there and we were really focused. Like Pete was really yeah. focused on manufacturing. I was really focused on nutrition. And then rolling right into it, we had outgrown that space. <laughs> and honestly, the the um, the division had grown. Jocko Fuel had grown so much, I couldn't do it all. So I had to transition into more of a focus role. We brought on a chief revenue officer. We had brought on a CFO. It really scaled up. And um, my role changed um, which was another uh, great transition for the business so I could get focused and get some time to be able to focus on the products without having to um, be working on formulas you know (laughs) one thing to be managing the business you know managing the fulfillment center all of procurement all of purchasing logistics and all that 
and then working on innovation and formulation at, at night. You know, yeah. coming home to the wife, having dinner, and then working you have on a that. Very under, yeah. Let me just say, you have a very understanding wife. I, I can imagine. So <laughs> she's very understanding. Yeah, no, she's, very understanding. she's yeah. an amazing woman. Yeah. Yep. Um, so. The, the breadth of the line goes everywhere from supplements to to pre-workout drinks and things like that. Do you want to talk about that for just a second, just to give yeah, everybody an idea? We have a, a, a pretty robust lineup now. You know, it yep. started off with you know, krill oil and joint support and, and all the products Jocko wanted to make. That's yep. how it happened. Jocko was like, I, make me this. Yeah. This is what I want right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so that's what that's what we did. And eventually we launched our first ready to consume, ready to drink product, which was um, the Jocko Go. It was formerly Jocko Discipline Go. Now it's just Jocko Go. And it's the energy drink. Um, it's not really an energy drink. It is in the sense of it gives you energy and it's a beverage. But if you compared yeah. it to other energy drinks on the market, it's very, very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we uh, we're actually about to launch the Jocko Go powders, so the, the stimulant version of the powders. So that's awesome. Um, we have functional foods coming down the line, cookies, bars, and a number of. Is other that things. just yeah? I've seen you guys have those development in development for a while. Are you just doing the shelf testing right now? That part of it, that kind of thing. So our five testing um, cookies are uh, ready to go. Actually, next week our uh, plant that's going to be running um, actually two weeks from now sorry our plant that's going to be running the cookies and manufacturing the cookies for us is doing the pilot run so we're pretty excited about that so once awesome. we do the pilot run we can get all the final um, packaging dimensions we can get all of the we can make tiny adjustments if needed in the uh, macro content and things like that so that the specs are completely mm -hmm. accurate and did you have to outsource little... did you have to outsource the cookie manufacturing or is that something you're doing in yeah yeah, yeah. That, that will be done um that won't be done here we're not we're no longer manufacturing any of the food products here sure yep yeah so okay yeah i saw the drinks were all i mean the drinks obviously were out were outsourced to canning facility and that kind of thing yeah, yeah. yeah. yep yep the thing about those is that it's we learned, you know, one of those tuition payments, we learned that manufacturing, manufacturing food products isn't necessarily easier or harder than manufacturing clothing. It's just different. Yeah. And. Yeah. Cause I saw your, your, you started building out a food production for the cookies and things like that. Right. And yes. was that part of and the lesson learned <laughs> the tuition payment? It, it absolutely it is, and I can tell you the whole story behind that, and it's a pretty important one, I think, for especially for entrepreneurs that are considering yeah. doing something like that. But the big difference is, and people ask, like, why don't you make your, why don't you make, like, manufacture your supplements or your protein? Why do you use a co-manufacturer? For a lot of the stuff that we make for Origin, if there was an American manufacturer, we would, or, or, or an American manufacturer that we could rely on, we would use them. Like we, we don't have to have it internally. We're about American manufacturing. Now we want to make as much as we can right here in Franklin County, Maine yep. and support the community and, and, and provide jobs. But we are absolutely not opposed. Um, we get our woven denim from another state in the United States from, from American cotton. So we use partner manufacturing facilities, 
and we we did that with the nutritional line right from the beginning yeah um, we we by no means jumped into manufacturing um the supplements and the functional foods intentionally we did it on the the bars out of necessity because we all pete jacqueline myself one of the things that we really wanted to do was make uh bars like we really wanted to make bars and, and go down the road of functional foods and we were we set out to make a bar a specific way that nobody had done before and we went to contract manufacturer after manufacturer after manufacturer even throughout uh at when we had really tapped our resources in the united states had gone into canada and mexico and was like <laughs> is there anybody that can yeah. do what we want to do and had worked with so many different um engineers and food scientists and things and nobody had really done what we wanted to do so we said very much in origin fashion well we're going to do it ourselves yeah. so we set up a small kitchen um literally got you know the the usda came in the fda came in um it was ready to manufacture and the tuition payment we made was we had create, created something amazing, but it wasn't scalable in the sense of where we were. So we had yeah. the tough decision to make to say, do we scrap what we're doing right now and build a bigger facility because we're going to be sold out from day one going forward? Yeah. You got to be able to make a million want... of these things, right? Exactly. So, yeah. That's the difference. You know, we're, 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 we've learned that it really sucks being in backwater often we we have to deal with that on the apparel and the jujitsu side of things now we've really scaled a lot and we don't have to deal with it as much as we used to but in the first few years like, we were always in backwater and it's not because we wanted to be it's because we were scaling yeah we didn't yep. have partner manufacturing facilities to rely on so what we had to do was make it ourselves and be a backwater. We don't have to do that. But what we ended up doing was developing a bar on our own. And it took us a long time and a lot of money and a lot of tuition payments, <laughs> a lot of tuition payments yeah. to get to that point. And there was a point where, you know, much like Pete and I in the in the office when we got the call about the um, about the dye house, there was a point where where we had to have a hard conversation and you know we had to say like we owe it to the partners uh -huh. to stop right now and transition this and that wasn't easy because we had employees and team members on the team that were literally brought in specifically for that thing and thankfully we were able to keep everybody in-house the r d people moved into the to, to r d and transitioned yeah. into the nutraceutical side of things and everybody else assimilated manufacturing, assimilated it into other manufacturing and, and fulfillment and sure. procurement conditions. Um, so we didn't lose anybody, but yeah. um, that wasn't easy because we had to walk that line too. We had to say like- But eventually you did find a manufacturer for it? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. We, we have a manufacturer for the bars. We have a manufacturer for the- With Oops. the bar manufacturing is um, line time. Like that's the thing is like you can find a manufacturer but getting on the line with the line time is mm -hmm. also very hard. So yeah, yeah, and I think I mentioned you. You mentioned that in one of the other podcasts, talking about the 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 go side, trying to get line time for to get the drinks made, that kind of thing. And and, we, and, event, we, and eventually, when you in the beginning. what's that? Sorry, go ahead. We only had one manufacturer in the beginning. Yeah. For the drinks. So. Okay. Okay. 
And I mean, it, but it also makes sense for you to use American manufacturing. If you expand go to the West Coast, it doesn't make any sense to truck go from New Jersey all the way to California or something like that. You're going to make it out there and distribute it out there if you can find somebody that can do it right. So Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And there comes a point where, and that's another tough business decision when you say like, when am I going to start manufacturing products away from our distribution center and our fulfillment center? When is that sweet spot of when I need to start manufacturing on the West coast, when it starts becoming financially viable? Yep. Yep. And then you've got the whole other question of warehousing and distribution out there as well. And that kind of thing. I'm sure Jocko would love to be able to walk into the local, you know, uh, grocery store or gas station and find go in San Diego or something like that. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and um, our first, uh, thankfully you can get it at any vitamin shop. That was our first yep. major retailer. That was, huge, that was our yeah. national retailer. Yeah. yeah. What's your five-year plan now? I mean, you just moved into another huge warehouse. You just peach it and his wife and the company just closed on a bunch of land to build another manufacturing facility and warehouse. Where, where are you going? It's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm so, obviously I'm right here and connected and, you know, Pete and I talk on a daily basis and, and um, we see each other often, but he's back and forth now between North Carolina, just closed on the apparel manufacturing facility down there And, um, you know, on the apparel and manufacturing side of things, like the sky's the limit. I know Pete has, I've seen all the plans. The plan is, I mean, the plan is to be America's next big brand, you know, the next, you know, New Balance. Next Under Armour type thing. Yeah. Under Armour. Absolutely. I mean, that's the plan. And it's, you know, really, it's just a matter of time and things that get in the way that have to get knocked over to to make that happen and then on the nutritional side of things we plan to continue to expand into retailer uh, other major retailers and expand the product line to really encompass everything that Jocko uh, and and you know Pete and I want to create mm-hmm. so awesome I mean yeah two two massive brands that are just um really taken over so that's awesome that's that's the plan. Dominate. Um, put a dent in the, the energy drink industry. You know, we we believe that you know people are being fed garbage, and yeah. we want to give people a healthy option. That's the driving factor. Um, a better option, being better, is the the message you know behind Jocko Fuel, and we want to help people be able to do that. And so I guess won't stop until it's everywhere. So you yeah. get into every convenience store, every kiosk, you know, everywhere you go and you get an energy drink, you see Jocko Fuel everywhere you go to get a protein bar, you see Jocko Milk bars and, you know, yeah. the whole assortment. I was hoping for the quick trip chain in Wisconsin, Minnesota and Iowa would be one of your next places. They've got 900 stores you could put it in, but. <laughs> I think uh, our, our Joe, uh, when we brought on Joe, it really helped with with expanding those sales he's a he's awesome you know very experienced he he came to us you know pete and i don't have like big corporate backgrounds like that's not who we are um you know don our cfo was the first one that really came in with that joe came in you know he has the experience at 
um, Heinz, J&J, gotcha. um, Nature's Bounty. And he really came in with that experience and those industry contacts and helped us with the expansion. Yeah, um, knows so how to open those doors. Trip. Yeah. Trip, trips on his list. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, that's one of uh, the city I lived in, La Crosse, Wisconsin, was where Quick Trip was founded. And that family has, has done a lot of good things for the community, but it's still a family owned business also. They actually make their, all of all of the Quick Trip branded food and drinks and things they have are all manufactured still in La Crosse, Wisconsin and trucked out to their 900 stores on a daily basis. So they have about 200,000 square feet of manufacturing that they've, that they're adding on to continuously so it's it's they're trying to put as much of their branded stuff but they still make room for other stuff at the same time so because you have to but of course that's yeah. awesome though that's really yeah. cool yep so let me just close out i want to ask a few questions and we'll see where that takes us but are you what book are you reading right now um that's a really good question um are you too busy <laughs> no I, I do i do audiobooks uh, I have okay. a 40 minute drive. Yeah, I have sure. a 40 minute drive. So I do like music. I'm not one of those people who's like, I don't listen to music. I, I like music. Um, music. What, kind of, what kind of music? Man, I, I truly, when I, it's kind of cliche, like I say, I listen to everything. Um, I don't listen to everything. I don't listen to everything often, but I can listen to everything from, you know, uh, uh, grunge 90s rock to, to, you know old school west coast hip-hop to classic rock yet yeah, all of that um i don't do a lot of country music um uh, myself but um I'll, i mean i'll even catch myself in some of the new electronic stuff if i want to be doing some reading i can't do like lyrics and reading yeah. at the same time so gotcha yeah, yeah so, so what's the audio book you're listening to uh i'm re-listening to think and grow rich okay who's that who's the author of that do you know offhand Oh man, um, I, I do. You'd quiz me. Let me. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I could look it up too. But <laughs> look it up. It's a, it's an amazing book so far. It's great. Um, uh, Napoleon Hill. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a solid book. If one of my favorites, though, I'd, I'd mention the one that really helped me. Um, was uh of course well i can't skip over all of jocko's books of course <laughs> well you can but he yeah. might have some words with you the next time you see him so. ownership is the foundation for sure um yeah but yeah principles um are you familiar with principles from no. Ray Dalio? no yeah yeah i'll look it up it's though good. yeah what is really principles of what um he he founded and ran uh like one of the biggest head funds ever Okay. And so it's really principles of life and work. Gotcha. And it's really good. I don't even what want was, to try and what was it? What was the best thing you took out of it, if you can name one thing? Um, surround, like you always hear, um, you know, surround yourself with people that are better than you and smarter than you. And, and he definitely uh, emphasizes that. But also, like the it, it's humility but it's the ability to allow criticism as a leader sure. you have to have the ability to allow criticism as a leader that is one of the biggest takeaways i got from him and in systems like he builds systems that use data 
rather than emotion to make the decision. Hmm. And that's super important because so, oh, go ahead. emotion, emotional yeah. decision-making doesn't get you very far. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes into the little bit of the extreme ownership side where you're setting aside your ego and taking ownership when you make a mistake and not trying to brush over it at the same time. So, yeah. You how you know, high performing individuals align with a lot of the same principles, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you find Pete is driven a little more by emotion than you are? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I think at times we can both be emotional, actually. Yeah. He, he, he's always said I'm very analytical. Um, but I think it depends on the subject matter. I think it depends on, it's situational. Um, we're both very passion driven. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge, huge one. Um, but no, I'd, I'd be interested to hear his opinion on that. Actually, so I don't know. I don't know what he'd say. Who's who's more who's more emotional? I think we can both be emotional at times. I think uh, that's something. I, I'm a big believer in constant improvement. So, yeah. what my work on all the time is trying to be less emotional. Always try and uh, check your ego. Yeah. Pause. Give it a second. And hey, I suck at that sometimes. React, respond. <laughs> yeah. Don't react. Yep. Yeah. And that's why I started this podcast too, to be honest, was as much to help me out as it was to help anybody else out. Because I am in the midst of trying to transform myself at the same time I'm trying to help other people. And I've been in the software business now for a long time, but I'm realizing that my fulfillment is elsewhere, I think. So I don't think I have a lot of coworkers that necessarily listen to the podcast. So, so that's why I'm doing this too, is to figure out, is to start to take that next step. So, so that's cool. Absolutely. But, and yeah. I, that's a, a brilliant way to, to get one-on-one, yeah. uh, you know, concepts, ideas, and conversations going. So I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. So maybe you can put a good word for Pete for me and we can get some of his time too, but that would be awesome. So yeah. <laughs> Um, so what does your daily routine look like beside the 40 minute drive each way daily routine um i get up about i don't i don't do 4 30 you're not a 4 30 guy yeah me either i'm not a 4 30 guy um i get up and uh six o'clock usually i get up at six um i typically uh go feed the dogs I, uh, depending on how I feel, I still actually, um, drink coffee, uh, yep. contrary to popular belief. I, I actually enjoy coffee. <laughs> I typically find that, especially when it's like cold, um, it gets kind of cold here in Maine. Yeah. So I, I, I yeah, just like a bit. <laughs> um, but now that we have all these delicious flavors of go, it makes it really hard. Um, so Can you get your own black rifle origin or Jocko fuel blend or something like that. Some kind of collaboration going. Hey, you never know. We, we might do coffee at some point. There you um, go. Yeah, there you go. You get a. There, we might see. You know, Jocko is not a huge coffee guy, but yeah, um, we get a lot of requests. Uh, not everybody's a pom- pomegranate tea fan, so. Palm tea, yeah, the palm tea. Um, yeah, my my routine is pretty pretty straightforward. I get up, I go, um, either get a go or I make some coffee. 
I make coffee, I'm having a go not long after because I need my go uh, yep. and uh, take all my jeez, um, uh, Krill, Joint Warfare, D3, um, take D3 in the morning and um, feed the dogs. Sometimes I'll, I'll take, if it's nice enough out, what I like to do is I'll take my go uh, or my coffee out on the deck. I'm very fortunate. We have a beautiful spot up on the uh, in the hills here in western Maine, and you can't. There's no neighbor. You can't see anyone. You can't see anything. There's no construction. It's just woods. Nice. Um, I, I put on my Instagram story a lot. Yeah, and, I've seen that. It's beautiful. But it's my favorite place. So I go out there and try and um, you know process my thoughts and and plan for the day. Um, I always have an idea of what I'm going to do the next day, the night before, but. Okay really um that can change you know yeah. so in, in that morning i go out and process things and then i um get off on my drive sometimes i'll get a workout in in the morning sometimes um i'll stretch more often than not i have a herniated disc so i do stretches in the morning and night gotcha um, are you planning so, on surgery to fix it at all or not i'm gonna push that off as long as i can <laughs> yeah um, you know, maybe i'll do stem cells at some point and uh it sure. make my way down to columbia or something but i do not want to do surgery um i'm, I'm continue to do uh, the foundational exercises and stretches as long as i can there's a friend of mine just to give you a, a shout out for um just across the border from san diego there's a very good alternative clinic down there that hmm. that uh, might do a lot of that stuff so Okay. Yeah. Good let me know, know if you're interested. I can, I, I don't have the name handy, but I can get it from a friend of mine that'll do it. That does all that stuff. So. Okay. I'd be interested yeah. to, to hear about that. So I hit my 40 minute drive. I had to, uh, I head to the office, typically putting a, put it on a, uh, audio book and, you know, I get, I get to the office and just jump into it. Like there's a, even, even now that my position is more focused, my role in the organization um, is is more focused. Um, mm-hmm. It's never gonna it's never gonna be fully disconnected from the big picture because I'm a partner, so I'm always yeah. thinking about everything that's going on. But at the same time, um, with the the freedom to focus on what we're focusing on, I can spend way more time on development. So I'm up in, like all day today. I was in the lab. We were working on stuff. Um, Awesome. The, uh, team. Uh, we have. I have a a young lady who works for me, uh, Lauren. Um, she's been great, and Kylie, who uh, works in the quality department, she helps us with R and D as well. Um, just a great. You know, we have a small team, SEAL team, and we're just ripping out products right now. The one thing we're working on um, that is going to be pretty awesome is a, a total. Um, total revamp of the the warrior kid product so oh, okay we'll, okay we'll see that coming down the line there's going to be a, a awesome a assortment of three new products and total reform so we're deep into r&d on that so if i could then, if i could just ask for a non-dairy is there is there dairy in the in the milk side right now uh d- yeah it's a whey-based yeah. protein yeah so a whey-based, whey-based protein okay and we are we actually have developed a vegan um, based okay. protein. So that's yep. probably 2020, late 2022 thing. Okay. So probably in, in about a year, but that's on the product roadmap. Um, but it's already been developed. So it's ready to go. It's just, it's just a timing thing. Sure. And uh, so 
spending my day in a lot of meetings and and <laughs> if i'm not i'm up in the lab uh getting after it and then i leave and hopefully it's a night where i have jujitsu and then i go train i come home clean up have dinner with the wife try and relax and uh try to stay off my laptop but um typically yeah. i'm on my laptop or on my phone doing emails and stuff like that but yeah and uh, of course getting after it on the weekends as well but i try and find time for the things we want to do and i smoke a lot of meats I was about to ask you what your absolute favorite meal is, and I can pretty much guess based off of your Instagram feed, but I thought I'd at least give you a chance to respond to that. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Oh man, favorite meal. I, I'm a meat eater. Uh, yep. I love, you know, I love beef, I love pork, uh, I love sushi, I love all types of fish. Um, I just really, really am a carnivore. Now at the immersion camp, that stuff that Jack did on the big green eggs. Yes. How spectacular was that? Incredible. Yeah. It, it was ridiculous. He's a, he's a <laughs> master. No, he's a master. Um, I like to think, you know, I, I dove in hard into the, the smoking of the meats world. And sure. um, like I said before, I, I kind of obsess over things. So I got decent pretty quick. Um, and now Jack and I will have a cook off at some point, but he on awesome. the green egg though, that's which is like a whole different uh, skill set mm -hmm. um, than a traditional pellet smoker. He's a he's a master. So he has a signature thing he makes. It's a uh, like a blueberry muffin pork loaf. Um, yeah, I've seen him do that, and it just looks awesome. Yeah, it's one of the most incredible things. It's top five things I've ever tasted ever. Awesome. And, top five things so yeah he's awesome so yeah cool cool i think uh it's probably a good time to wrap it up i think i've kept you long enough it's we've been going an hour and 45 minutes now so we're close yeah. to that anyway but um any final thoughts i mean for people that want to take that step into kind of redefining their maybe their approach to business or being an entrepreneur i mean what would you say to people that want to take that step advice i would say if you find something first arm yourself right arm yourself with don't think you can do something that you that you either aren't passionate about and i mean passion i mean really passionate about yeah. or that you haven't armed yourself with the skill set to be dangerous um you you don't don't try and get into building you know race cars for a living if you've never done it before like yep. absorb the knowledge and you don't need a degree you can go educate yourself uh with the internet like it's all out there uh, if the richest two richest men in the world say you don't need a college education to do what you want to do <laughs> exactly you don't need a yep. education you want to do so yep. i would say arm yourself with the tools you need uh first and the biggest tip I give to, to guys who want to get started is try and surround yourself, you know, with a network, try and surround yourself with people that are either doing what you want to do or doing something similar or aligned with that. You know, of course there's like taking the plunge and being willing to just go all in and that's great and all, but mm -hmm. there's nothing like a, um, you know, a mentor or support system that can help you work through those problems because if they've made that tuition pay bounce that off and we've built that over the years and it makes it much much easier for us 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the one thing I would say. Um, and if if you want to uh, connect with us more, follow you know Pete, follow myself on social media, follow the we put we put so much out there. I would say compared to most um follow along and you know yeah watch us make mistakes and try and uh overcome as well yep yeah pete's definitely not shy about posting anything and everything that's going on for him so so but it's it's great for that insight into into the business so i really appreciate that but brian i really appreciate it so much and thank you for the time and being open and and taking that deep dive absolutely i appreciate you having me on thanks no problem no problem